The Rights to Ricky Sanchez Second. podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS. Brought to you by Briggs Auction, the official auction of the Ricky, BriggsAuction.com, LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. A big Barker therapeutic dog beds. Get yours at BigBarker.com slash Ricky. And Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter with Zoe, Stateside Vodka. Dot com. All right, on the show today, the Harden view that we have shared in that we do not want him back is starting to turn, I think, in public opinion as we're getting some pushback from callers and emailers. So we will address that. I have four NBA takes that I would like to run by Mike and get his comment on. And TJ McConnell is now a sports owner. That's right. TJ McConnell is the owner of a sports team. Pretty fucking wild. Um, before we get going, I did mention stateside Urban Kravaka. I was driving, my wife and I were on the car uh, near MetLife Stadium, in the car near MetLife Stadium on the highway on 95 yesterday and saw a Surfside billboard. Mm. As I believe Surfside is now available in New York, was not before, but it is now. So very exciting news. Of course, it's summer and there's no better alcohol drink companion to summer than Surfside iced tea and vodka. Of course, all different flavors, peach tea and vodka, lemonade, iced tea and vodka, lemonade and vodka. It is just lightly sweet. It is uh, just, it's perfect. And there's no carbonation because there is no carbonation in iced tea. You can get them all at statesidevodka.com, no matter where you live, but you've got to be 21 to drink it. And a sad note, we got an email from Shane uh, letting us know that his very close friends, um, uh, no, we didn't get the email from Shane. Did we get the email from Shane? No, the email was from Casey. No, yes, the email was from, no. Let me start that over, even though this is live. Shane and Casey. Uh, their dog, Chance, uh, 10 years old, a process pup and a very good boy, uh, passed on to the Rainbow Bridge. Um, Chance was waiting for Shane and Casey to bring back twins. They just had twins. They were in the ICU for a while. And Shane has say, said that uh, Chance stuck around just long enough to make sure that the babies got home safely. Um, it always makes me incredibly sad to learn of these things. I can't like, I look at the emails and I start tearing up. So we just want to send our love to Shane and Casey and our love to Chance and uh, God bless Chance and your new babies and your entire family. Very happy that you were able to share love with Chance and he was able to share it with you. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Welcome to the Right Streaky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who, if his body was in connection with his mind, wouldn't listen anyway. That is one Mike Levin. That's right. Is that true? They got nothing to say to each other. <laughs> Keep them separate. Uh, here we are on a Sunday morning in the off season. I, I wonder uh, if you are back to watching basketball. We do have a lot of listeners who have said that they are not they have given up on watching basketball, refused to watch the playoffs after the Sixers were eliminated. I know you were that way for a while, and I wonder if you have come back. I would say lightly back, but uh, not arranging my life around basketball. So there have been, uh, I have not watched a full NBA Finals game. Okay. 
it's been, it just hasn't worked out. And I'm fine with that because it depresses me. So I have, I was thinking during my run yesterday, I had all these, uh, and all these takes that I was working on. And I feel like you are a good ombudsman for my takes, telling me whether they're legitimate or illegitimate. And I would like to give you the takes and have you respond to them. Okay. You ready? Let's do it. Okay. I'm going to start. I don't want to say hot, but I want to start with Jimmy Butler, who obviously I have had a lot of experience in the, the take space with. And as I have admitted several times, he is much better than I gave him credit for. And I do believe he has improved. I do think he is a better player today than he was when he was with the Sixers. All that said, there is one thing that I continued to say that I do believe is correct. And I do believe will continue to be correct in that Jimmy Butler cannot be the primary offensive player on a team that wins the title. He's not dynamic enough as a scorer. He is not good enough as a creator. And I think what is interesting is that this Miami team that has made it to the finals, a lot is made of the fact that there are not other great scorer types. You know, here's undrafted free agent number one, undrafted free agent number two, yada, yada, yada. It is almost as if a Jimmy Butler team needs to have players that are sort of less good than him offensively so he can continue to be who he is offensively. You know, he's been in two places where there is a theoretical option that is before him. One with Philadelphia, one with Minnesota. He blew up in both places. So I do think, looking at the history of players like Andre Iguodala and now Aaron Gordon, players who were miscast as one options, not saying that Butler is the same level of player, but Jimmy Butler would be far more important to a championship team would be a far better asset if he would be willing to accept a role that was not the role that he carries in Miami. Mike, your response. I think it's probably going to be one of my long providing context answers that isn't actually good or really useful to anybody. But I mean, a guy's been to two finals Mm -hmm. already. I don't think that there is a material difference between getting to two finals and winning one the Mm -hmm. eastern conference finals is often just as hard as the nba finals i think it is there are so so carl malone good enough to win no i mean i i mean i think absolutely i think all as far as good enough to win it like it's it's not i it just doesn't seem to me like any valuable analysis to go like this person hasn't won a championship yet And that separates them. And I understand why like players want to win them. But as far as like who is better, the fact that he's been to two um, and, you know, for the sake of my bet that I put down, would love for him to win this one. Um, I am on strike, Jimmy. Uh, If you don't win this NBA finals, then you are a scab. You don't, you do support the studios. Uh, So I'm going to need you to come back from down three, one. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think he's, would it be nicer if like Dame or Paul George or some like typically more consistently gifted offensive player was on this team with him? Sure. I'm sure that would be helpful. I think the the point, the point about like him needing to be like the center and and the sort of the uh, gravitational center of, of any offensive universe is uh, probably somewhat valuable as far as like, in the regular season, he defers a lot, right? That's why his numbers are lower. That's why he didn't make the all-star team. Like he's not he's not doing what he's doing now in the regular season, or typically what he does in the playoffs during the regular season. He's he's fine to let other players operate and stuff. Um and and him and Bam are an interesting like pivot point for shooters to like rotate around him. And in the playoffs, it's like, all right, I'm probably I'm pretty much just gonna go ISO when I need to. Um I do wonder, like, what does he do? Say, say they say you put Dame on this on this Heat team right now. It's probably a lot of Dame Bam pick and rolls, right? And what and is then what's, what's Jimmy doing while that's happening? Especially and, because he doesn't like shooting off the catch that much. Doesn't love mm-hmm. shooting off the catch, especially in the regular season. I mean, he's willing to do it more in the playoffs, but 
but uh but yeah i mean any i think that's the case with any like he's he's obviously a, a gifted offensive player and obviously can like gut his way into doing it but he's probably not as good as Kawhi was at his peak offensively um and has uh has limitations shooting off the catch so it's like any it's it's a lot of like grunging out possessions and it seems like he's uh he's done that enough in these playoffs and the shooting variance has done been enough that he's gonna you know they got to the finals from it but yeah it's a he's definitely not like a top 10 offensive player um but but sorry I'm, i'm sorry to your point about him the playoffs versus regular season in the playoffs he averages 21 points six rebounds and four assists which is almost exactly what he's like during the regular season. Like, I, I just, I, I think there is, now obviously he has been more in recent years, absolutely, 100%, but I do think he's better than he was in recent years. Whatever, I, I, I understand your point. I, yeah, uh, and I also, the, the point about the stats, I think just to, just to hit on that is like, the, obviously the competition is better in the playoffs. So if you're averaging the same sure. amount of points, rebounds, whatever, to if you, if you dig, dig dig deeper into advanced stats or whatever, obviously d- more difficult to do that than to play against like Detroit or Charlotte on sure. a regular game. Guy saying in the comments, the same point could be made about Embiid, and I'm a bitter ex girlfriend. I know the same point can be made about Embiid. I think sometimes people don't understand when we say that we hate, like we are as critical of the Sixers as any non Sixers entity. I'm not coming at this as like with the giant E on my chest that Joel Embiid is like, I'm, I'm in touch with reality. Yeah. Especially now. Yes. After years of probably defending Embiid and giving him the benefit of the doubt a lot. Um, now we're definitely yes. as critical as anybody. Yes. You, you, Mike said that he should quit. <laughs> well, everybody should quit yeah, or, or be fired. Including All right. Us. Take number two. There has been a lot of, conversation about the regular season being meaningless in the NBA or less valuable than it used to be. Of course, with the Warriors winning the title last year, I think they were a five seed or something like that. And then with all of the low seeds progressing in the playoffs this year. But here we are with a team who is the number one seed in the Western Conference, pretty smoothly at this point, dominating the eighth seed in the other conference, the number one seed who, by the way, has had the regular season MVP two consecutive years and uh, number two in voting the third year with consistency in his roster and his coaching. My take would be the regular season is now becoming undervalued and it is more difficult than you think it is to just sort of coast during the regular season and win in the playoffs. I think this season has provided sort of a misnomer as to how important the regular season is. Mike, your, your opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, there's, there's so much hand wring. I get why the NBA wants to make it as uh, compelling as possible and why they care from a like player rest standpoint and a load, load management standpoint and stuff. But like it, it, this stuff seems to only bug the NBA, like UConn won the national championship as a three seed, the Phillies made a run to the world series as a seven, whatever the last wild card team is. Yeah. Um, there's been plenty of times it's, I just, it seems like the analysis about NBA basketball specifically is like easily the worst nationally among any other sport. It just seems like they don't really want to talk about basketball ever. They don't want to talk about, things being interesting on the court, whereas football, it feels like that's, there's obviously narrative stuff into play, but football analysis seems to be like, we're analyzing the game and NBA is just like, why don't people give a shit? And it's just like, I, I feel like that's so not valuable. So I agree with you. I I like the regular season. I don't think the NBA should be ashamed of having a regular season that is <laughs> like interesting for people that like the sport. And if they're trying to appeal to like, people that don't like the NBA and going like, ah, we, we don't want to, it's too, it's too much. Or it should be, there should be crazy fireworks. Like freaking Adam Aaron doing like player intros, like just people like basketball, people, the people that like basketball, like basketball and they'll watch because they like basketball. Um, and it's, 
I don't think it's wrong for teams to think, okay, the regular season we play one way and then the playoffs rotation shorten up. We give fewer opportunities to like run the offense on guys that don't necessarily deserve it. You got to allow people to work through the mistakes to put the playoffs in mind. But the idea that it like doesn't matter at all, at all or isn't interesting to watch, I think is really, really stupid. Well, AU made this point in his recent article about Harden. And I think it is a good one is most of the basketball we watch is regular season basketball. Sure. And most teams don't win the title. So, you know, so, uh, speaking of winning Briggs auction sponsor of the Ricky. Yeah. Mike, we have big news in that CJ has won another Briggs auction lot. Yes. CJ, tell us about the lot Briggs auction.com Briggs auction.com. Here we go. Yeah, that's right. I got a move coming up uh, later mm-hmm. this week, and I need some furniture. And furniture is expensive. Yep. And I looked at Briggs Auction, and I found the perfect coffee table for me. It's it's the best coffee table that could fit in my new living room. And I looked online. Like I, I didn't know the brand. It just sounded fancy. Looked yeah. online. What sounds it, fancy? <laughs> like multiple like first names combined together. Like oh okay yeah yeah. yeah. Um, and I looked online. John David and, Allen. Yeah, it was it was expensive, uh, new, and I got it for not very expensive. So wow, feeling good. And I and I and I, and I went in in like the last thirty seconds. I just I ripped it away from the. You swooped. Sweater. Yeah. Congrats to CJ on his Mark David Chapman uh, coffee table on his John Wilkes Booth. That's it. Yep. <laughs> I had so I lost in that auction that just ended up. I lost one lot, but I am still in the bidding for the current dust shuttle auction, which doesn't close till last week. Briggs auction, you can download the app in the App Store or Google Play. You can go to BriggsAuction.com, estate auctions, uh, discovery auctions. There was a patio auction last week talking about furniture, clothing, collectibles. There were a ton of baseball cards in the last one, art. It is helpful like it is shown with CJ, especially with furniture, clothing, things like that. It is fun, fun to look at what's there. And I think online auctions are actually really fun. I get competitive and they have great shit. BriggsAuction.com. Pickup is by appointment during the week. Saturday's open pickup. They can even work with you on a shipper. If you get a bigger lot, you can't come pick it up. And if you want to downsize, if you have a bunch of art or something you want to auction off Briggs Auctions, the only place to go. Send an email to info at briggsauction.com. Congratulations to CJ, Briggs Auction. All right, two more takes. Gonna give you the, the harder one first and then the more positive one second. Okay. Number three is about Jason Tatum. So Jason Tatum has received what seems like a lot of slander publicly for his play. In the playoffs, he did get hurt in that deciding game against the Miami Heat. The Celtics have been criticized a bunch. Jason Tatum is 25 years old. At 25 years old, he has been to four Eastern Conference championships. He has been to the finals once, and he has several, several signature playoff moments in big spots. I just hate hearing this. I'm just going to lay down for a little bit. I'm just saying, we are... He is not even in his prime yet. Nikola Jokic is 28. Joel Embiid is 29. Tatum is three years from that and has already accomplished what he's accomplished. We have compared oftentimes Joel to Dirk in terms of success. I think Tatum is actually a far better comparison to somebody like Dirk who gets criticized too heavily. And I think there is a world that you could compare Tatum to Durant given his success so far. So my take is people are a little hard on Jason Tatum and he may even be better than he gets credit for. Uh, Yeah. I mean, as far as like narratively, like that's obviously a very impressive resume mm-hmm. um i think this sort of goes with what i was saying earlier about like kind of the jimmy butler yes. rings or nothing culture uh tatum obviously like ripped game six from the sixers and then stormed through game seven um 
but like it's a very like what have you done for me lately type thing without much in the way of context and so now it's about like does he have it or does he fucking want it enough or whatever mm-hmm. um yeah he's very good and i would be thrilled if boston broke up jalen and jason <laughs> would be thrilled about it that sounds great do that <laughs> please do that do that for me a lifelong celtics fan who wants their success uh <laughs> But yeah, he's, I mean, he's very good. They're a very good team. They're a frustratingly good team. I'm dying for them to, and that's why like this, like last season when they were so, they were like clinging to a play, play in birth. And all of a sudden in January, they just became the best team in the league for the rest of the run. So I would love for them to have like a f- total collapse season where they like lose to the bulls in the play in. Like I just would love it. I would really like it. I think I am owed it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, he's very good. I don't, I don't disagree that like him having this much success without like winning a championship at this age is not any indictment on him as a, as a player. He's obviously very good to my everlasting shame. So finally, I want to throw some love and hope toward our very own Joel Embiid, who we have obliterated rightly so and fairly for the last several weeks. Here we have Nikola Jokic about to win the title obviously showing that he is at this point, I believe pretty clearly the best player in basketball, but he does so after winning two consecutive MVPs, not winning this one. And with a team that is constructed largely to work around him and fill his deficiencies. Obviously he's a great player. I'm not saying he's not a great player, but there has been a lot of consistency and positive team building around Nikola Jokic. Giannis also did not win the title until after he had won two consecutive MVPs and eventually settled in with a team that helped, you know, complement who he was. Having a point guard that doesn't need the ball all the time, sort of can play off or on ball and Drew Holiday. Having a guy like Brooke Lopez who is the just the rarest version of player in that you talk about having a player like him and there's really only him like him. While Joel does need more signature playoff moments, and I do believe his performance in game seven against the Celtics was shameful to say the least. Yeah. I do think that he deserves us to be open to the fact that he could accomplish this though we are and we'll talk about this next with the Harden thing talking about more even more changes around him which don't you know don't really line up with the other two players so that's my it's less of a take and more of a hope guy interesting mm-hmm. yeah I mean I'm certainly not writing off the idea that if I thought that there was no way that a team built around Joel could have a sustained playoff success, then then I would be all in favor of moving him. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel that way. Um, yeah, he's just... I, I think the continuity thing is interesting. Like, we go back and forth with this a lot of like, the continuity of Denver during this run, of, of Milwaukee during the Giannis run of Miami to some extent of Boston, like obviously golden state. There are a lot of teams that have had success and then have then kept that core together. The Sixers have not had success and we're blaming their lack of success on over the course of the last five, six years, various members of that pieces of that core. And so I think if you go like, I mean, does that mean we want to keep Tobias because he has been around long enough and we can do one more year and that's enough of like a, there's a symbiotic relationship between Embiid and and Tobias where they're like on court, they just have a feel for each other. I don't think that that's the case. (laughs) I don't. Um, And I, I am in favor of continuity generally. I'm in favor of drafting guys that then stay in the system for a while. 
and role players that know how to play alongside or play off of your stars, having some continuity in that I think is valuable and I think sometimes gets overlooked in the idea of like, oh, we can just churn through these things, which obviously I think there's somewhere in the middle is uh, generally the hope. But I think the reason why those teams have had continuity is because they have worked better together than the Sixers teams. I think you could pick apart pieces within those years and go like, well, obviously they shouldn't have traded Jimmy or it would have been nice if they'd kept Covington this whole time. Like there's kinds of pieces that you could go like that guy could have been around for four or five years the way that like Chris Middleton or Brooke Lopez or Marcus smart or whatever was, has been around their more elite players this whole time. But on the early side of things, because of the turnover in the Sixers front office, there was a ton of turnover in the in the players also. And then the Daryl came in and had to like undo a lot of that. And now here we are. And now it's like, okay, do you want to keep Harden and Tobias so that we can because the idea of continuity is so strong so strong and helpful? I think I think it's secondary to like having the right pieces than just continuity for continuity's sake. Right. It's both. It's yep. both. Yeah. So before we get to the there we, we have had a lot of pushback. From the pro, Mike, thank you for reacting to my four, I call this my four NBA takes that I had while I was running. Um, before we address the the pro-Harden faction who have flooded our emails and social channels and voicemail channels, I would like to tell you about somebody who wants to flood you with jewelry. <laughs> That's right. L.L. Mm-hmm. Pavorsky Jewelers. Up to 331 writes to Ricky Sanchez listeners who have purchased engagement rings from LL. We saw 331 on our Instagram as the proposal happened in the middle of an Ed Sheeran concert. Mm. That's true. In the middle of an Ed Sheeran concert. Congratulations to them. LL, the first sponsor of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. In some circles, the only sponsor of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Those circles, however, are at 707 Walnut, where LL has been for over three decades. He treats all of our listeners with respect. He treats them like uh, like as great as you could be treated by somebody who wants to sell you expensive jewelry. That's right, LL. He doesn't pressure you. And when you show up to the store, he doesn't want people wandering in that he has to pressure to buy jewelry. Nope. He wants to make an appointment with you so he can show the proper time and commitment to you. That is, if you're spending $1,000 on an engagement ring or $100,000 on an engagement ring, everyone is treated top-notch with L.L. Pavorsky. If you want to make an appointment, you can contact him in any number of ways. 215-627-2252. Email Lee at LLPavorsky.com, his psychotic Twitter at LLPavorsky, or, uh, and rather, LL is a generous supporter of our charities, Providence Animal Center and Mama T's Community Fridge, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. A flood of jewelry sounds like one of the 10 plagues, but it's actually a really nice deal. All right. So, Mike, I want to play a voicemail from 833-Lickface, then read you an email and, and we'll start to address the pro-Harden faction who has, has, has flooded our channels. 833-Lickface is the number. Hey, Spike and Mike, it's Max again. Look, I get the proclivity to, you know, move to Chris Paul. You guys are both very off on James Harden right now. Spike, I get it. Mike, you've been a little bit more jumpy with that. I don't understand why Harden just had three of like three or four of the best playoff games we've ever seen from a second guy compared to Joel. Look, I know he's a fucking loser. He's an absolute fucking loser and, and he will never get it done. But like, how quick are we to move off this guy? Like we should actually have a black and white conversation about what James Harden did here. He deserves that conversation. Thank you boys. So if James Harden was white, I'm just kidding. So this came from Ricardo. I like supporting him and going like, obviously he's a loser. loser. (laughs) Obviously. This came from Ricardo, who says, you're absolutely, hi, Spike Mike CJ, long time, first time from Brazil. You're absolutely wrong about James Harden and you are doing to him the same as you did to Jimmy Butler. You are so lucky now to have Daryl to save you from yourself or else in four years, you would see how Harden would have had more success than the Sixers. 
Harden is supposed to be the second option. He makes less money. He defers to Embiid. Come playoffs time, he wins a game versus Boston without Embiid. Has two 40-point games against a team with maybe the best perimeter defenders in the league. What about Embiid? Can't do shit against a senior Horford and 10 minutes a game, uh, uh, Robert Williams. Harden is inconsistent, yes, but what second option isn't? Murray, AD, Jalen Brown, bam. They all play like shit sometimes. But Jokic, Jimmy, LeBron are fucking winners and carry their ass. And Bede can't. I'm sorry. But I just heard you guys saying that you would prefer on a similar salary CP3 to Harden, and that is just absurd. CP3 is the point guard version of Embiid, always bitching and crying when the playoffs come. He's hurt. I guess you guys deserve him. Harden almost beat the Durant Warriors, played with one leg, and almost beat the Celtics with Durant. That was fucking seven years ago. What are we talking about? He's obviously very old now, and the yes, he won three games. One, one, one by himself in the first round and two basically by himself in the second round. And I think the, the problem is that like that's not a repeatable strategy. It wasn't like he looked so good in those games. Even, even the shots that were going in, it didn't feel like there's nothing they can do with this guy. Like He can't get by people. The step back is really all that there is. As far as him, like, I appreciate him winning those games. And, I, and we have, I think, appropriately given him credit for winning those games. But the, the bad games are so bad. And the good games feel like just really lucky. It doesn't feel like this is like we can, he, can, he can do this over and over again. Simply a Harden-based team can get, can get it done and take the ball out of Embiid's hands so Harden can operate. He was very helpful in the regular season. He was very helpful to Embiid getting an MVP. But we've seen Harden fail so many times in so many playoff moments because he doesn't. And, and now, and now he's so much older than he had been at that point that like he doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the in between game. He doesn't play hard enough to like get it done when other things aren't getting there. With Chris Paul, and I'm not saying he's bad. I don't love either option. But with Chris Paul, at least you go like. This guy's not going to, at this stage in his career, isolate so much and force up a foul baity like floater that he has no touch on. At least Chris Paul's going to move the ball. At least Chris Paul's going to shoot off the catch. At least Chris Paul's going to try hard. At least Chris Paul's going to be a better defender. They're both pretty old, and Harden did play better on defense than before. But I, to me, it's just... Chris Paul at this point in his career is a role player. Harden at this point in his career still thinks he's not, but plays not good enough on a consistent level to be anywhere close to a dependable star. Um, and in the playoffs, it's just we've just seen it too many times. He just turtles away and doesn't feel like doing other stuff. And there's and he's already so limited in so many ways. Unless the step back is going, he he's not going to be able to beat good defenders. And I, I those two games were huge. Those two games were obviously better in the playoffs than Embiid has re- really ever been against a good team, really good team. But I don't think that that is able to be duplicated any in any meaningful way going forward as he gets older and like less happy in his role. Mike spitting fire and speaking truth. I just wanted to wrap up the email as he says, long live Harden and long live love Paul Reed. Sorry if I came off aggressive, not very good English and trying to be funny. <laughs> love the podcast. Listen every time. My favorite. And I don't even like the Sixers. Thanks pal. So That's yeah. Nice. I th- every email should end with an apology. Yeah. The, the, I don't want Chris Paul either, but this is what I can't get out of my head with Harden. Everything you said is true. 100% about the lucky stuff. And I think we started talking about that very middle of the season where we're like, hey, you notice if the three's going in, everything's fine. And if yeah. it isn't, then there's nothing there. What I can't get out of my head with Harden is three games. Miami, game six. Boston, game six. Boston, game seven. He looked like he wanted to lose. He looked like he wanted to be anywhere but there. I agree. I agree that Joel Embiid shows similar tendencies, but there is less of a resume and we don't have 
any choice with Embiid. Like this is this is the guy. We just have to hope it turns around. James Harden is 34 years old and has too many instances where deciding games, he gets up 10 shots. He just like, he quit in those three games. He quit in them. And then he leaked to the media that he wants the offense. The guy who had the ball more than any other player in the NBA wants the ball to revolve around him more. He's just delusional. I'm sorry. And, and there's there's an I like I think people will rightfully go, well, Embiid is 29, but maybe his body is not even it has a 34 year old's body at this point because of the injuries and whatever, and you can't depend on him. Embiid at 70 percent health at least is still a, an anchor to your defense. If even if his con- conditioning never improves, like he's helpful, even if he's not the offensive option, you can you can see a world where Maxi continues improving, and the offense can run through him more than it has, or, or more than Joel for for longer periods of time, while Joel can still be the anchor to like a top five ten defense, even if he's not as good as he used to be. Harden is not helpful on defense, and if things aren't revolving around him. He's not like a catch and shoot guy. Like there's just so many minds that you're having to avoid with James Harden at this point in his career that I'm just pretty much not interested in dealing with that because even the highest upside possibility is still like that caller said he's, yeah, he's probably a loser and he probably doesn't want it there. So, and the low and the, like the floors are so low. The floors could not be lower with Jason, with James Harden at this point in his career, as he gets older, as he gets more, I don't know, unhappy with the amount of sacrifice he's had to do, um, in the year and a half that he was in Philadelphia. So I, I think just even I would love the offense to not revolve around Joel as much as it does. I think have the offense revolving around a big that doesn't have a elite passing that doesn't have elite touch is really difficult, really difficult in the modern NBA. I think he, he can improve on some of those things for sure, but I would love for there to be a big wing type that he can run pick and roll with. And then Maxi can run pick and roll, something like that, like all that stuff, fewer, Joel based possessions where it's just dump it into him. Let him do something with it in the playoffs would be great for me, but I don't think James Harden is the answer to that in any way. Thank you to the emailers. There was a few other emails. I'm not going to read them, but they all specifically said the same thing. Just there is something to yes. I understand what you're saying in that. Like he, he as a player, in a whole value sense is probably more valuable than the player you will replace him with. But we just can't see it end the same way again. Yeah. Can't see it end the same way. Yeah. That's why, that's why like if you can, I'm looking at my Tobias trades down the list. Mm -hmm. And if you can, if you can, DeRozan isn't a perfect player by any means, but like that's starting to look better and better to me. If, if, if Harden just walks and you can flip Tobias Korkmaz in a pick for DeRozan and people push back on this because his career might be over, but I still think it's a worthwhile risk to take Lonzo. Then you go like Maxi DeRozan and Bede makes just a lot of sense just from a like we have different ways to beat you type of way. DeRozan is a better defender than Harden. Obviously still not great. Still somewhat reluctant to shoot off the catch, but not as unhappy and a, more of a willing cutter than Harden is and still gives you a lot of the same like can get to the line, that kind of thing. So that that's becoming if, if Chicago wants to mix it up, that is that's becoming probably maybe my favorite trade possibility this offseason. Um congratulations to TJ McConnell, our own TJ McConnell, TJ McConnell of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. The San Francisco 49ers ownership group has reached an agreement to take over English soccer club Leeds with NBA players Larry Nance Jr. and TJ McConnell joining as minority investors. The NFL team's investment arm, 49ers Enterprises, originally bought a 15% stake from Leeds chairman Andrea Rad. 
Rizani in 2018 and increased it to 44% in late 2021. I believe I read that Leeds was just relegated out of Premier League, which I think probably makes them a, uh, a better buy at this point because then you can get, make them better and you can get back into Premier League. That's of what I know of soccer. But the fact that TJ leaves here, TJ was, when we met him, a unlikely to make the team training camp body and now is a wine guy and owns a European soccer club. Talk about a glow up. We're still here doing the podcast. Our best, our best story here is we have better microphones. Mm-hmm. What the fuck, man? Like what the, what the fuck happened to TJ? Are we happy for him? Are we jealous? Like, where are we with this? Happy for the guy. Didn't yeah. get into a club because people didn't recognize he was on the member of the Sixers. Now he's, yeah. now he's an ownership. He's been, he's like a, what? Eight year NBA veteran. That's awesome. That kicks yeah. ass. And uh, and a part of another potential Tobias trade where he comes back to Philly with Buddy Heald and Dan Tice. So he was, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for the guy. He's a sweet guy. He's always very nice to us. The best, yeah. He, I know he has a lot of, uh, still has a lot of connections back here in Philly. I know he and his wife really like Philly. It would be great if he ended up back here at some point. But he's got a real career, man. He could play another eight years in the NBA, I bet, like without any problem. So congratulations to TJ. I feel real good for him. Big Barker dog beds. Woof, woof. Big Barker, a sponsor of the Ricky for a long time, truly believe in the product. I know, you know, you, you look at the, at the dog bed and you're just, all you want to do is you want to check it off the box. Check the box. Oh, we got a bed for the dog. You know, you adopt a new dog. You have your dog. Oh, the dog looks like it likes the bed. Dog's a fucking idiot. Dog's a dog. It's up to you to make sure that the dog is eating the right things, is being as healthy as possible. Dog would eat fucking stuff off the street all the time. But, you know, you feed the dog food that you feel like is good for the dog. With beds, you need to give it the same attention that you give food, that you take it to the vet. That's why a Big Barker dog bed is different and necessary. Go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky. That is bigbarker.com slash Ricky. You get the Big Barker dog bed. You get two process pup patches to put on the Big Barker dog bed. Send us an email. If we, we haven't gotten any in a couple of weeks, writes to rickysanchez at gmail.com, writes to rickysanchez at gmail.com of your dog on the Big Barker. We'll put them in the process pup gallery. What's the difference? The difference is it's a real bed. It supports your dog's joints. It keeps your dog healthier. Penn Vet did a study showing this exact thing. Your dog sleeps a long time. And all I want you to do is think about when you sleep on a bed. If you sleep on a bad bed, on a non-supportive mattress, you wake up, your back hurts. And by the way, the older you get, the worse that is. I can tell you that for sure. And even though the dog bed that you have your dog on looks comfortable, it looks more like a pillow than it does a mattress. You want it to look like a mattress. Big Barker dog beds engineered by experts to give that support to your dog. And it is different. It's just different. You can see it in the pictures. You can see it when it arrives at home. They look beautiful in the house, all different colors, all different shapes, all different sizes. Um, it looks like a piece of furniture in your house. Really, really nice. I couldn't, Rebel Sleeps on one, I couldn't recommend it enough. Go, it's got a 10-year warranty. The foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. A one-year at-home trial. If you don't like it, if your dog doesn't like it, they'll give you a full refund and they'll pay for the shipping. It's handmade in the USA. Big Barker Dog Beds. <laughs> Um, what do we got here? The hard to stomach YouTube comment of the week comes from Nathaniel Miranda. We got a bunch of these as we were talking about Harden's potential return and whether he would get booed and the Jimmy Butler return. I was at the Jimmy Butler return game in November, 2019. We booed him so hard that I couldn't talk the next day. (laughs) Wells Fargo center was aggressively booing him every time he touched of the ball in an absolute blowout win. That's fair. I, I remember it now. Be counted on for memory at this point. I am 33. <laughs> I am on strike. The Young Rock just got canceled, so now I'm on double strike. Um, oh yeah, I saw that. Uh, sorry, did you? Uh, well, I guess we can't really talk about the details of that. But people, uh, people, we got some twitters and a couple of emails about it. I didn't know if we were to talk about it or not. No, you can talk about it. Yeah. Is it? Is that? Is it at all strike related, perhaps, or no? I mean, I'm sure part of it in the sense that they studios are losing money and Young yeah. Rock because of Dwayne and uh, flying in cast and stuff is yeah. probably an expensive show, I would guess. Um, 
but I would say I was surprised by it. I think other people were were a little bit resigned to this happening, but I sort of thought like, well, he's Dwayne Johnson. They're going to give him another season. Uh, but it didn't happen, which is a bummer because I really liked a lot of people on that show and it was fun to make and fun to write for. But anyway, I was on... Uh, the I was on the athletic this athletic NBA podcast and they asked me a bunch of processy questions and yep. like my memory's not there anymore you guys <laughs> it's not gonna happen so the fact that I don't remember that Jimmy was booting his game back I just you're gonna have to let me off the hook for that one you're just gonna have to do it or accept that I'm not maybe as smart as I used to be which is also fine I didn't remember it as we talked about it but as soon as people brought it up I remembered it specifically if that if that makes any sense it didn't it uh it didn't. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that blowout. I remember it pretty well. So writes to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com or 833-LICKFACE is how you get a hold of us. Writes to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com is an email address. 833-LICKFACE is a voicemail line. This comes from, how about Scott? Last pod, Mike mentioned he needs this team to get faster and more athletic. We all want that, right? I hate watching this Sixers team. I'm in Utah and I have to buy NBA League Pass to hate watch the Sixers. I watch every game and root for them to win, but this is the least fun Sixers team to watch since the pre-Hinky era. Why? Because they're so fucking slow, predictable, and unathletic. I just pulled up the tracking data at NBA.com. Slowest average speed in the NBA? James Harden. This especially sucks because James Harden is second in NBA average time of possession. Yeah. Second slowest average speed in the NBA? Joel Embiid, DeAndre Jordan, and Chris Paul. Slowest average speed on de- defense, Chris Paul. Second slowest average speed on defense, Harden and Luka. These, <laughs> these results are similar on offense with Embiid having the lowest average speed on offense in the NBA. No question about that data. I just found it interesting. I don't no. want Harden. I also don't want CP3. But if I have to make a choice between Harden on a multi-year near max contract and one season at CP3, I'm taking CP3 without hesitation. Today. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great email. And I appreciate receiving it. Um, and I, I guess I, Chris Paul has always been, and especially in, in his older age, continues to be deliberate with the ball. But he seems less locked into sort of binary code that Harden is. It seems like there's a little bit of more fluidity to his game and willingness to let other people operate whereas Harden is sort of like I must have the ball at all times but I think that that is reasonably fair and it is also reasonably fair for us to say that the similarities between Chris Paul and and Harden would be too much to stomach and they should be looking in a different direction I'm, 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 I'm fine just for speed alone and athleticism uh, going that direction I mean like a, a maxi Chris Paul backcourt would be small a maxi Fred Van Vliet back would be small, although Fred moves a lot more than those guys. Um, the options aren't excellent. Like we're not out here saying like, look at this, look at this wealth of riches that we have that all the possibilities are so good. We could just flip a coin and pick any of the good ones. Um, the possibilities aren't endless. There's like one. <laughs> yeah, there's not that many. Yeah. But uh, this is why, you know, this is why Daryl gets paid a lot of money and why Elton's still there and there's creativity in that front office and, Let's see what they come up with. Speaking of options and Daryl, 833-LICKFACE. Hey, Spike, Mike, CJ, uh, Chris calling from Dallas, Texas. I have a question for you guys. I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough that the Tyrese Halliburton deal. Sorry, that was my dog. The Tyrese Halliburton deal was on the table and we didn't take it. I mean, just think about where we'd be right now, even had we lost in the second round again. If we had Tyrese Halliburton on the team locked into a contract, rather than James Harden with Nick Nurse, you know, I think that would be an exciting future, something that we can get, uh, you know, at least a little bit excited about. Of all the failures that this team has had, we talk about the Tatum thing and the Markel thing. I think there's so many things, but this is the one that I think might be the most realistic blunder that we've had in years. Uh, so curious, your thoughts on that. Thanks, guys. Love the pod. That, that guy cannot listen to every episode of the podcast, which is fine, but I talk about it all the time. <laughs> I am, I'm bringing this up. Constantly, I'm having to stop myself from relitigating it. And you're not arguing the other side of it. It's just me saying the same thing over yeah, and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, Tyrese Halliburton. Absolutely Tyrese Halliburton. I think we talked ourselves into the idea of a win-now thing because of Embiid's uh, unknown prime longevity. But 
Absolutely. If this was a Maxi Halliburton and Embiid core, even if they had just lost in the exact same way in the second round, we would go like, well, they're going to grow together and there's going to be more connectivity and they can think about the guys that would want to play with those guys and you could fill in veterans and he plays so fast and he's such a quick processing NBA player and the jumper looks weird, but he really is a good shooter. That'd be amazing. Absolutely. I, I get Daryl went for the known quantity and and Harden was helpful in his time here, but if it was a Maxi Halliburton and Bead situation, I would be we would all be in such a better place. Yeah, I mean, we talk ourselves and we talked ourselves into Al Horford. Like Sure. You know, in and, and sometimes remember, sometimes yeah. in retrospect, you know, I don't even think talking ourselves into Harden over Halliburton at the time was crazy. In retrospect, it was wrong. It was wrong, yeah. That's it. Well, because it's easier to go. I think the it's the idea of hope, right? With Harden, you don't have much hope at this stage in his career. You don't expect him to get better. You don't expect the the synergy to work work in a in a more effective effective way. Uh, you don't expect him to like turn things around in the playoffs. But if you have a young guy like Halliburton who is still growing and improving, like you can tell yourself that there's a possibility. If you go for the all in move now and go, we're going to get the older guy, then like naturally there's going to be fewer opportunities to succeed because there's only so many, so much left in the tank. And so I think any, any, any move that you make that is like old guy win now is more likely to lose and feel worse than young guy could get good. Um, even though Halberton was good right away. Yeah. I would have loved, I would have loved Albert and I loved him coming out. I had him way higher than anybody else. Everybody, I think the consensus did. He was my, exactly my kind of player. He's beautiful. I love him. He talks to the fucking, he's friends with Caitlin Cooper. He wears Caitlin Cooper's shirt, uh, Pacers blogger and writer who was, who has been on this podcast. She, it's just, he's, he's, he's like a singular type of talent that seems to also to be a joy to play with. And he doesn't seem like a loser at all. I, I would say this, we talked ourselves into, and I think not incorrectly so Harden at the time, but I can say this, if they had made the Halliburton trade, none of us would be complaining. None yeah. of us would have complained at the time. No. None of us, zero. No. It would have been, we would have been like, wow, they got Tyrese Halliburton for Ben Simmons. We would have been one bazillion percent fine. Yeah. Spe- speaking of which, have you seen uh, the Ben Simmons shirtless gym photos? That sure. Surfacing? Yeah. I've never stopped seeing them. They're always just there. Just coming through. They're like, it's like a targeted ad at this point. I just scroll. It's scrolling past it. Like, yeah, I'm sure Motorola has great deals. Like, let me just get past that. Uh, Yeah. Also just like Halbert, man, it would just would have worked. It just would have made so much more. I think at the time it was like, he's James Harden and, and he's still, was James Harden at the time. And you could hope that like the stuff in Brooklyn was weird enough that like maybe that there was an extra gear that he was, that he could come back to. And I think to some extent he did, but still fell into the same Harden issues. Halliburton, I think is because they maybe didn't believe in Maxi as much as he did. Like if you believed Maxi, if Max, if you believed in Maxi at the time of that Harden trade, the Simmons Harden trade, that he would get to be as good as he is now and continue to grow then I think you would go like, okay, we don't, we could, we could think a little bit wider as a, uh, as a, a, of a championship window. And if you think, uh, Embiid health wise, obviously he's had health issues and concussions and random shit, but like for the most part, Embiid, if you would have told me five years ago that Embiid would be as healthy as, as he has been in these five years. Yeah. I would have been stunned. We've been happy. We're, we're happy yeah. with how, how healthy Embiid yeah. is. Obviously, he's had issues in the playoffs and unfortunately timed, you know, random shit. But he's, I think we can stop thinking about Embiid as like a ticking clock so much or a ticking time bomb, I guess more. I think um, that's a good point. And so like maybe the Harden was really like the more conservative move at the time where it's like, Okay, Embiid is healthy for we don't know how long. Maxi is good, but who knows if this is going to continue um, or if he's going to grow, whatever. So let's get the guy that we know is at least very good now and give ourselves the best chance to win right now. The, you know, m- both long-term and bigger swing was probably Halliburton and him continuing to grow after his rookie season in Sacramento. 
and Embiid being healthy and Maxi continuing to improve and those guys working it out. So I don't know if Daryl would come like ever say I regret that or those both of those deals were on the table and I took the one that I felt more, was more of a known quantity. Um, at the time, I would have loved the Halliburton trade and now looking back at, at, at how much Halliburton has gotten better and how much Harden has been, you know, fine, but the team hasn't succeeded. I looking back, it's even more of a home run to have done that trade. Now we heard from a caller on the last pod who believes that he has confirmed the Harden house sex bubble story. Right. Do you think it's possible that Daniel house covered for James Harden and therefore Harden owed house, but maybe James Harden has covered for sex for Daryl and Daryl oh. owes Harden. I don't think that Daryl's been with his wife since college. Um, I don't think Daryl's out there. I think he's looking at girls in yoga pants, but I don't think he's doing much else other than that. Who hasn't? Um, I would like. I would love to know the connected network of who is covering for other guys, uh, sex lives or whatever it is. I would love to know if there's like, oh well, if you trade for Malik Beasley, then you have to trade for this guy also. Like it's just like there's it's a it's a tandem, a package deal situation because of favors owed. Writes Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. This comes from AJ. On what other podcast would Jonah Bolden take a stray to the chest in a discussion about Jokic? No <laughs> other pod would dare you, would dare love you guys. My non basketball question is what is the last book you guys read? Um, I read like two books a year. So, Mike, do you know the last book that you read? I actually I do, am yeah. Reading currently a book. Go ahead. Uh, I read um, The Sympathizer which okay. is a really interesting book. And I'm now reading the sequel, which is called The Committed um, by Viet Thanh Nguyen, um, which I really like very much. I like, and I'm mixing it up. I've been reading a lot lately. I read it while I The Flights for the Honeymoon, which was, which was mm -hmm. a prime reading time. Um, I, find, I, I find myself enjoying reading and wanting to read more. Um, but find it still, yeah. I like, there's, a, there's a bunch of books I'm excited to read. Alyssa just got Burn It All Down, which is a, t a book about the TV industry. She's reading that right now as we speak, I believe. Um, yeah. I read, the last one I read was my Year of Rest and Relaxation by Otessa Moshveg, which I loved. I'm currently trying to read The Shards by Brett Easton Ellis, but fiction's really hard for me. So I'm like grinding through it. And then on vacation, which I have in a little while, there's a book that just came out, uh, The Where Are Your Boys Tonight, which is the oral history of Emo's mainstream explosion, which a, uh, a friend of Jason and AU's Chris Payne wrote, which I'm excited to read as well. I, I like, I can get through nonfiction a lot better than I can get through fiction. I have a lot of trouble reading fiction sometimes. Uh, 833 Lickface, speaking of nonfiction. Hey, Spike, Mike, and CJ, this is Mac. I was calling in with a non-basketball question the <laughs> Vanderpump Rules world has been blowing up recently. My wife has looped me in, and we just got done watching all of the reunion episodes. Would highly recommend to anybody, because they are too much. But one of the things that I saw pop up in them was that Ariana mentioned Tom Sandoval, that she wishes that she could go back to the early stages of their relationship where they were cooking and listening to war on drugs and all of those different things. And I just was wondering if Mike had a take about this, considering his deep affiliation with the uh, reality shows in general from Bravo. So would love to hear your take. Thanks. Bye. I assume you're a Vanderpump Rules person. I believe you brought it up before. Yes, I'm a big Vanderpump Rules person. It has uh, for a few months there taken over our lives. We went to a bar uh, the other night that was like hosting a Vanderpump watch party. Mm -hmm. um, and they were playing the NBA finals first and then the game ended and it was like, okay, switching to Bravo. And then it just, the, it was a packed bar. It was really fun. Um, yes. Ariana did mention the war on drugs on Vanderpump. Alyssa gasped when she said it. Um, it's very cool for, for it makes both parties look good. I would say it makes Ariana look good and obviously makes uh, the war on drugs look good of, uh, of what the, of their uh, kinds of music being in the cultural zeitgeist. Um, it was a beautiful season of television. It is a fantastic show. Um, 
Alyssa and I, I would say gatekeep the people that just come in for the last couple episodes and go like, everybody's talking about this thing. So I'm just going to watch it now. You got to watch the full show in order to be a respectable human being. You have to go back to season one and watch the entire show. It is phenomenal. The first two seasons of that show are excellent. And there's just so many beautiful moments of how horrible all these people are to each other. Um, it's so funny. It really enriches the entire uh, history of of the of these people's relationships to each other. Um, I've loved I've loved this season. I will miss it very much. Um, not having it in my life, but yeah, definitely recommend Vanderpump. Definitely recommend going back to the beginning to really to really soak it in and and feel. And I think watching the show now with the knowledge of what happened in Scandoval is a different kind of viewing experience and also will be fun. So that's my rec. I've never seen it. So, uh, writes to Ricky Sanchez at gmail. It's not a dismissal. I've just never seen it. We'll never will see it. So, uh, so Mike is the Vanderpump rules guy. On the that's podcast. right. This is from Ben. Hi, Spike, Mike and CJ. It's the off season. Who cares about basketball and this stupid team? I had forgotten about Mike's penis injury. In the <laughs> off season. <laughs> And with it being the off season, what better time to now ask this question? Does Mike have any permanent indicator of his injury? The reason I ask is because when I was in high school, I got into a grappling wrestling fight with one of my friends and he accidentally kneed me directly in the penis, not the balls, but a direct shot to the head of my wiener. It was excruciatingly painful. And I actually ended up with a bruise on the head of my dong. Mm. And no, I was not erect because I know there's a weirdo listener wondering about that right now. <laughs> to this day, some 25 years later, I have two small dark patches on the tip of my gentleman sausage as a result of this. Everything is still fully functional as I am currently the father of four children. Anyway, right. just wondering right. if Mike bruised his junk and if it left a mark. Nope. Tip of my penis doing great. Couldn't be better. Uh, All no good. dark, dark spot on there. Nothing. Dire. It is a, it is it is a very distinct feeling. Obviously, getting hit in the balls like gets all the uh, publicity generally, but <laughs> it, getting hit in the t- in the tip of the penis is a unique uh, is a unique feeling. Deserves more, <laughs> I would say. Culturally, <laughs> getting hit in the balls gets all the publicity. It does. <laughs> Uh, final voicemail 833-LICKFACE Hey Mike, Spike, and TJ This is Wooly calling in I'm offended that uh, Bob and Barbara's The dive bar that you mentioned on South Street Is not uh, known The birthplace of the citywide And it's 100% PBR And Jim Beam I, I can't see it any other way I highly recommend going down to the birthplace of the citywide And enjoying one You won't regret it Bye you know, on the last pod, somebody had asked a question about what would our, our citywide be? And my contention was, I believed it was just PBR and Jim Beam. I look, I didn't get Barb and Bob and Barbara's off the top of my head, but I did like sort of mention the location of it. Did, didn't I, CJ, did I get credit for at least, I think I said it was like the high streets and South Street, wherever the bar was. I couldn't remember the name of it, but I feel like I should at least get partial credit for that. And I don't. I'll, I'll give you partial credit. I, I unfortunately, to my everlasting shame, don't have never lived in Philadelphia as an adult. Right. So, I don't have the unfortunately civic knowledge and and although I have the civic pride, I don't have the specifics that everybody else does. So when I come yeah. into town, I experience the city. I love it. I wish that I got to live there as an adult for years, but I don't have. I don't have. I have been to Bob Barbara's. But if I hang out with some friends, I will, I will enjoy it and and regret the time I didn't have there, which makes me a fraud, and that's fine. All right, we will uh, talk. We're we're what two weeks less than two weeks from the NBA draft, and then yeah, we should do a draft podcast. Yes, the Sixers, the Sixers have zero picks. <laughs> Can we? If do it? they don't acquire one, I'm going to lose my mind. I've just decided to do it. You cannot. You cannot go two consecutive drafts not making a selection. Not to me. You cannot do that to me. It's a great, this is a great draft class. This is a tremendous draft class. They need to trade their way in and get a guy who can grow onto this team for years. There are going to be players available like that. 
whether that's early second round, mid second round, there's plenty of guys that can do it. I'm understanding that the cost will be there, but find an owner that just got sued for some <laughs> shitty business practice or whatever and go, do you want $2.5 million? And he'll say, yes, here's the 36th pick in the draft. And we should have that pick and allow me to make the selection. Maybe a draft pod next weekend gives me a week to polish up YouTube. Is that but the, well, the problem is, it, I don't think it makes sense to do like, here's a top, here's our top 20. It should just be like, I mean, I guess yours is always more Mine hit always, miss, but I should, yeah. I should like, I should serve you a, a platter of guys to look at. Cause okay. if you're looking at like Wembenyama, that's not helpful necessarily. Although you should. Especially because he's going to get hurt within two weeks of playing the first time. I've seen enough video of that guy. That guy's an injury waiting to happen. It's too he's long. Been, and he's spidery, been healthy like a, playing. Like a playing praying mantis. There's just he's no been way. healthy for a long time and and has play and has taken on like his, he has endured like physical physicality and physical play. Like there I think the obviously there's a stigma about like being a tall skinny guy and getting hurt. Like that's not uh unique. But I think he's been preparing for this and the people around him have been preparing for this for a long time. So hopefully, hopefully not. He's a sick player. I don't want him to get hurt. That, that, that is absolutely not my, my, you just uh, don't like guys that are too, too tall and skinny or, or too, too wide. Yeah. You like middle. Yeah. And I, I, I think just in general, I've had a pretty decent, pretty decent record of that guy looks like he's going to get hurt. <laughs> That's all. That's all. I just look at Wemiyama and of, I just, I think about NBA players. They're just so fucking big and strong. It's just so different than wherever else these guys are playing, but whatever. Hopefully he doesn't get hurt. He looks like a pretty sick player otherwise, you know, and our guy, Brett Brown gets to fucking coach him, fucking which is be. exciting. That is very then exciting. Yeah. All right. We will talk to if you next time. Me. Are you done with TTP? Then yeah. With you. you know, like face. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then won't, I won't fuck, fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I, I won't, I won't fuck, fuck, with fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Thanks for playing.